0: Hopefully you got to do a little bit of uh, couch time this week, and you got to enjoy each other. You guys get a chance to do that, I hope? Yeah? No? Okay. Got to work on specific time in front of the kids. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. (laughs) Do it by yourself. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's a key element to to demonstrate, a vehicle to demonstrate the the husband-wife relationship in uh, the something I'm going to keep asking you guys on. I think that's important to demonstrate that husband-wife relationship. Let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, it's good to come before you again to know that your word is perfect. It endures forever, and it enlightens the heart. It enlightens the eyes because uh, strength and knowledge comes from you. And may that be the case this morning. May the words of, of your uh, your word be what uh, permeates that to each one of these uh, these parents in here or parents that might be in the future. Would, uh, would see the purposes behind your word and, and the fact that it does contain what is needed for, for godliness and for raising kids that uh, that will honor you. Uh, certainly not a, a guarantee of their salvation, but uh, if we follow in your ways, if we train up our children in the way they should go, um, uh, they won't depart from it. And we pray that would be the case. May our ears and our eyes be attentive to this, this morning what's taught in your name. Amen. All right. Well, we looked at Throughout this whole thing, we've been looking at Luke 6, which we talk about the uh, the trees there. A good tree brings forth good fruit, and a bad tree brings forth bad fruit. And uh, another passage that we started to get into a little bit, um, I want to take us over to Matthew 15. Matthew 15 this morning, and there's a, quite a section in here. It's, it's just a little bit after the parallel passage in Luke 6. And uh, Luke 16, it... it uh, it's the scribes and the Pharisees are there at talking with Jesus, and, and he's concern, the, the Pharisees are concerned that, these, uh, that Christ and the disciples are eating without doing their ceremonial washings. So there's this, this set of rules that they had set up, and they're not doing that, and they're saying, hey, you're not washing yourself, you're not doing all this before you eat, what is with you? And uh, it kind of sets up a, a great uh, visual explanation Kind of like what we talked about, the the washing the inside of the cup, but not washing the outside, but not the inside. Same type of thing. And and really it starts in verse 18 after he's he's talking about them. In fact, let me go up to uh, 16. So Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth, those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. So he's saying it's, it's what's inside is the issue. And this is often done by Christ. He's sharing this whole thing. It's, uh, it's really that behavior is interpreted with reference to the heart when when we see what's going on in the heart, we can see, okay, when we see behavior, we see that it is what is going on in, in the heart. And this could be in a teenager. It can be in a little tiny two year old. Every single one of them, there is stuff that's going on outside you see, and it's based upon what's going on in the heart. I want to take the parallel passage from this one, which is Mark 17, I'm sorry, Mark 7, Mark 7 and, and verse 14 to 23. And, and this demonstrates this in, uh, Starting at verse 14, I'll, I'll start sharing about this. Um, this is a healing that's going on. I'm sorry. Oh, same thing. So he says, that so when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand, there is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that could defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, the disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from outside cannot defile him, because it does not enter his heart but his stomach and is eliminated, thus purifying all foods? This next section, starting with verse 20. I'm going to interject. I'm going to change it a little bit. I'm going to use your child in here instead of a man. So it says in verse 20, And he said, Whatever comes out of a child, that defiles a child. from For from within the house, out of the heart of children proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within and defile a child. So putting it into the, the child himself and your own children. These are the physical things that, that your children have the hearts to do. And we, we go through them one by one, you'll see. So from within, out of the heart of a children... Proceed evil thoughts, do you think your kids have evil thoughts? boy, that was an easy one. hell, you guys immediately you know. yeah, they do don't don't they 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 think that adulteries well, maybe not at a two year old I don't think they're thinking adulteries, but what it is they're putting something else greater than God um, fornications, not really murders uh, they they get some pretty evil thoughts in them, I'm sure where they they, they want to just get rid of and eliminate uh, one of their brothers or sisters, thefts, yeah. Yeah, they steal something that's not theirs. Little children do. Covetousness. Do children ever want something that another child has? No. Okay, good. And that one doesn't count. Deceit. Yeah, our children are deceitful, aren't they? Lewdness. No, probably not. An evil eye. Ooh, here's a fun one, especially if you have a seven, eight-year-old. You ever get that, that little evil eye look? the eye that mocks, uh, or have you ever remembered doing that as a kid? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> you just, you're not saying anything, but you get that eye, and you know, or your mom or your dad knows that, yeah, they're not obeying, in their. they're not sitting down inside. They're still standing up. Um, blasphemy? Yeah, they just, they'll just they yell at you. They'll scream. I'm mad. And a little one-year-old will just scream and scream because they want what they want. Pride? Yeah, they'll, they'll have pride. Foolishness? They'll be foolish. These are the things that are in the heart of a child, and we need to work on getting them out. They defile a child. So ungodly behavior begins with an attitude of the heart. It's, it's in the heart is where this behavior begins. It's reflected in the behavior. So I have a little chart there for you guys to draw on, and we're going to work our way through this. And uh, it's kind of fun. As we, as we look at this chart here, first, what was in, what was in the heart? What did we say was, was going on here? This is the overflow, right? And what was the result of it? What you, say what you say and what you do, okay? And what you do. So we then have ungodly behavior. I think I put a behavior in there. Yeah, ungodly behavior. Or, or an attitude. Or we have godly. Here's our comparison. Okay, so those are the two that were their possibilities. The attitudes and actions are reflected in the behavior of what we say and what we do. Right. So if they have ungodly behavior or attitudes, we're going to see what comes out of that heart. It's almost like I could draw a dotted line around this same heart. We're just defining what these hearts are, okay? You can't ignore the issues of the heart as they relate to a child's behavior because the heart is going to reveal or be revealed in the behavior. The behavior reveals the heart. Um, Take, for example, a a situation where two kids are fighting. You've never seen this, I'm sure, in your house, but if you have two kids and and they're fighting, um, it could be fighting over remote control, fighting over the last bite of ice cream, fighting over uh, really anything in the house, over the same toy, both of them. Uh, and this could happen, a child, even if you have only one child. You bring another kid over and there will be fighting, won't there be? I mean, there's, it just it happens regularly. Both kids in a fight are expressing a love of themselves unwilling to share that toy, aren't they? So their heart is saying, I don't want you to have this. You don't want me to have this. There's a, there's a tug of war going on. So what happens is, let's, let's look at that behavior, so we would have a uh, fighting down here. And here is sharing. So here's the two actions that we're actually seeing. And if we were to take a box and put it right here, and we'll call this one behavior. This is our behavior box. This is the outcome, just like this is the outcome. It's what they're saying and what they're doing. We're seeing this behavior that's going on. So often the temptation, though, is to want to just change the behavior. We see fighting. We want to see sharing. That's it. So our goal is to just change this. That's what we're after, is to change the one from the other, change the behavior of fighting to a behavior of sharing. That's what we're trying to do. And often we keep it only within this box of behavior. We're thinking of it as behavior. Attempts to address behavior might produce some change. There might be some change by just changing the behavior for a period of time. It's only going to be superficial. It's not going to be long-lasting to just make a change here. You're, You're not going to get it changed. We're going to go into that in a minute. What are some negative ways that we try to address behavior? Let me turn this heat up further. It's still too hot in here. that's a little better. So what are some negative ways that we address behavior or change? Who had it first? Fight with a toy? Um, Automatically we come in. Okay, who had the toy first? You had it first. Give it back to him. Quit the fighting and we're done, right? That's what we want to do. We try to solve the problem based upon initial ownership. This person initially had it and you took it. Therefore, you're the guilty party here. Where in the Bible does it say that a child who had it first gets to keep it and the other child has no responsibility, the one who had it first? It doesn't say that, does it? There's there's something going on in the heart of each child involved here. There is responsibility on both of them. How about another negative way is manipulative threats. We make some threats. If you keep fighting over these toys, I'm going to send them off to Africa. You're never going to see them again. You can't, neither of you are going to have these toys. Just stop your fighting. I'm tired of hearing it. I'm going to get rid of them. No one's going to have them. So we threaten the loss of the toys in order enough to get them to stop fighting. That's what we're after. We're trying to just solve it here. Ah, if I just manipulate them or I try to threaten them, then I'm going to get them to change their behavior. Another one is guilt or emotional appeal dad goes off to work and uh, the kids start fighting and, and mom's saying, hey, you kids are fighting again. Did you see dad when he left the house this morning? His shoulders were slumped. He was so sad because every time when he comes home from work, you kids are fighting and he has to deal with you. And he's so upset about that. He can't think straight at work and he's, n- he's been passed up for a promotion. In fact, his boss, I heard he might be losing his job. We're not going to have a house all because you kids are fighting here at home. And you might get some tears out of the kids initially. They might be, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm going to stop, but you can't use that every single time because what you're doing is manipulating them. It's a guilt, an emotional appeal that you're trying to use just to get them to change their behavior, trying to make them feel sorry about that, or shame. It makes me feel so sad when you do this, you know, where, where it's about you. Mommy just feels so sad because you kids are fighting or because you won't clean up your room because I told you to do this and you didn't do it. It puts it back on you, shaming them because of you and what your expectations were. We try to do that. How about bribery and prizes? Again, within this box here of changing behavior, these are the common things that go on. Sharing, Okay. If you guys share, if I see you sharing, we're going to put your name, write your name, and we're going to put it in a jar right here on the table in the kitchen. Every time I catch you sharing with your brother or your sister, we're going to put your name in there. And at the end of the day or the end of the week, we're going to pick a name out of there, and whoever it is gets to have ice cream with mom. We're going to go out and have an ice cream. So as many times as you're sharing, you have a better chance of winning because you're going to have your name in there. So what does the kid do? I'm going to share. And mom's in the room, you know, making dinner and come in. Oh, here... Brother, you want this toy, you want this, and so they're sharing. As soon as you go out of the room, they don't do it. Or they they don't want to waste their sharing on something that they didn't get any value out of it. What are they doing? They're trying to do it for themselves and what they're going to get out of their action because they see if I do this, I might get that. There's a bribe involved in it. Here, have my Tonka truck, but. Mom leaves. I didn't say how long you could have it and take it back. You know, so now you got these these fights that are going on that are even making it worse. How about this one? If you if you this guy had a daughter, I think Ted talks about this. A fifteen year old girl who was complaining. She's just complaining about everything, and Dad says, "I am tired of this complaint." So he figured it out. He gave he took a jar and he put. Ten crisp, $10 bills sitting in there in, in the jar. We set them all in there and put a lid on it. He says, Every, these are all yours. All this money is yours at the end of the week. But if I hear you complaining, I'm going to take a $10 bill out of there. Every time I hear you complaining. So daughter's great. She's been all sweet and kind. And next thing you know, she slips up a little bit. And she's complaining about something. Out comes one. Maybe out comes another. And now she's the sweetest thing. She's doing everything she can to get dad back, maybe to put some of that $10 back in there. What is she doing this for? Is this because her heart really wants to change and really wants to love? No. It's because she, yeah, you got the right behavior that she's being sweet and she's stopping her complaining, but you haven't dealt with the heart. This girl didn't have a change of heart or a desire for righteousness, did she? How about this one, contracts, performance-based results? Um, There was a book that I was given toe-to-toe with your teen, and I actually went back to find it and uh, look it up online. Uh, Yesterday I was looking at it. And uh, it's just hilarious where you, you have this teenager, and the best way to get them to controlled is to write a contract. Okay, here's the contract that we have in our family. If you do this, here's the results. You do this, here's the results, and it's all just contractual. Oh, you did this, here's the results. So what happens is you get a kid who obeys you everything you want. You get them exactly the way you want because of this contract. Oh, you did that, you're getting kicked out of the house because you're on drugs or whatever it is. You know, you put, it's all based upon a contractual agreement. Are they after righteousness and goodness, or are they after just the contract and what the results are? You're not teaching them the heart. You're teaching them the wrong behavior in there. How about this one? A fear of abandonment uh, to get them to control their behavior. Ted, I think, uh, goes in and talks about this one. There's a, a little four-year-old in the airport. Four-year-old and the mom are going to be and the mom are going to be going off to go visit somebody or grandma or something. And they're sitting in the airport waiting, and this girl's just being a terror. She's all over the place. She's loud. She's bugging her. She's just asking questions. She's whining about everything. And mom finally says, I've had it. I, I can't take this anymore. If, because you're acting like this, I'm not going to be your mommy anymore. I'm done being your mommy. Picks up her stuff and walks over a few more aisles and goes sit some, no, somewhere down. Somewhere else, and just sits there. Just, no. And the little girl says, Mommy, Mommy! comes running back up to her, saying, Mommy! And mom says, I'm sorry, little girl, I don't know you. I don't know who your mommy is. And just kept ignoring her. And the girl's pleading and screaming, at her, Mommy, I'm your daughter, please, please! Nope, you're not obeying. You didn't obey. I'm, you're not my daughter. I don't know you. Go find another mommy. I'm sure there's a lady over there. That girl turned into the sweetest, most wonderful thing, obeying everything, but. De- The damage was done. How terrible that was for that child to go through that trauma. And that's the way, is my mom going to abandon me later on? What did that put into her heart? She behaved, Man, if, if you look from a behavioral standpoint, she got that kid to obey and to do everything she wanted from that moment on. Man, that was effective. But none of us would agree that's a smart way to parent, right? That's pretty sad. You can't do that. Behavior modification or rewards for good behavior. There's another one that we use. so Or punishment for bad behavior. In these cases, the child is often or usually out after the reward. So there's a a give and take. They're naturally going to learn to do things, not do things that cause them pain. And this, the the, uh, Christian parents can easily fall into this. You do this, you're going to get some spankings. You do this, you're going to get some spankings. And they know what the rules are, and they're doing it mainly to stop they don't want the pain. They know that if they do this, they're going to get pain, and they want to, you want to stop that ability that you're going to control them, but you're not controlling the heart in these situations. Um, that's the case where you're in the, in the grocery store, and you always have problems with the kids climbing all over and being loud and, and bugging you. If you be good when we get to the uh, exit aisle when we're paying, I'll let you choose a candy bar. So the kid is good, and then they get their candy. It's a bribery. It's a reward exchange there. Behavior, you're getting them to modify their behavior, but you're not dealing with their heart there. The fighting that we saw in our example here, this fighting, what we need to do is go back and look to see what is it in the heart that is causing this? What is causing this child to fight with the other child? And often you're going to find that it is a love of self in this case. And we're going to look through different ways to identify what the issue is that's behind the heart that goes up. So where we have this arrow that comes down, just like this one and just like this one, we want to go in reverse. We want to look at the behavior, just like what we say and we do. It reveals what the overflow of the heart is. The fighting reveals what is in the heart. In this case, it would be a love of self, would be one of the logical things that it would be as opposed to over here, for a child to share, just out of the goodness of their heart, share what they have, that would be a love of others. So, child's in there playing in their room, another child comes in and doesn't have any toys. Oh, here, would you like to have one of my toys? I think you'd like to play with this one, and it's one of her favorite ones. Wow, that is a heart that says, I, I want to love others, God In my heart, I want to do that. That's the right thing to do. So here, have one of my toys and play with it. That's a love of others. So all of these down here are going to be a temporary temporary effective way to get the behavior to change. That's going to be, uh, that'll work. But the heart, in this case, if you just deal here, the heart is unchanged, isn't it? how are you going to just by having a bribe or getting a dollars out of a jar or putting your name in a jar, how are you going to get back to changing what the heart issue is? That's what we're after here. So uh, let's see. Yeah, so we're going to change it from a love of self to a love of others. That's what we want to do. We can't do that with going back without going back and looking at the heart to see what's in the heart. If you try to change behavior without dealing with the heart issues, you end up with what? So if you go and change this, if they now have changed this, but they're not doing it for the right reasons, you haven't looked at the heart, what happens is right here, you get hypocrisy. Isn't that what you call that? Hypocrisy? Thank you. That's the S was the problem hypocrisy. That's what you're going to get if you try to just have them do it. And you see this all the times, especially in the Christian realm, where these kids, little Pharisees are running around, and they do all the right things, but their heart is just far from it. that's what we don't want to do. So if we saw behind the fighting was love of self, we want to get them to move to love of others. Changing their behavior won't do it. We saw that just changing this. We have to go back and look at the heart is where we have to go to it. That's, that's where we have to get to. These negative ways we looked at just a minute ago, they're not going to lead us to Christ. So you're not you're fighting here. You should be sharing. Here's a dollar jar that you've got to take money from or put your name in. How do you get Christ involved in that? You know, where you need to change your behavior and you're going to get a dollar out of this and Jesus loves you? That doesn't work. We're going to go have ice cream and I'm going to tell you that Jesus loves you. The, you, you, you can't do that within just dealing with behavior. You have to go back and look at the heart. That's the issue. So the Bible gives us categories, biblical categories of wrong behavior. We looked at some of those already in that uh, passage from Matthew 15. Um, these are attitudes of the heart, and I'll, I'll give you a list of them. I think I might have put them down there in the next page after that. am uh, not sure if I had. Okay. Um, love of self. Well, instead of love of self, what are we after? Love of others. Yeah, that's, that's what we're after. How about envy? So if, if a child has envy in their heart, and you can see that they're wanting what somebody else has, what do we want to change that into? Be a desire for good for others, that others get good. I mean, isn't that a neat thing? That's what uh, 1 Corinthians 13, what true love is. It desires the best for others. That's what we're after here. How about self-preservation? I mean, you, you look at a child, and they're doing everything they can to preserve their little fiefdom there, which we do as adults too, as opposed to what would be the, the opposite of that? If they're trying to preserve themselves, self-sacrifice. self-sacrifice, laying down your life for one another. Isn't that what the Bible calls us to do? It does. Or fear of man. You know, I'm, I'm afraid of, of this person and what's going to happen to me. What would we want that fear to change into? Fear of God. Fear of God. Yeah, I mean, that, these are things that we want to work on. And if you think about it as your child grows and gets older, as you talk, and we're going to talk about this, how to decipher what the issues of the heart are and then how to change them and how to work on them. Um, If you can get your child to recognize that their fear of man needs to change to a fear of God, that's a big concept for a kid to understand. Even adults have a hard time with that. How about your idols of the heart? A lot of times we will have idols in our heart of things that are just, we hold up very important to us. We talked about that in that uh, worshiper, man's a worshiper. Um, pride, pleasure, power, performance, pre- possessions, each one of those things. Those are things that often is I, become idols in our kids' heart. I mean, think about it, the pride, yeah, we see that all the time. Pleasure and power, performance. Instead of all those idols of the heart, what should our, our idols be? It's a love of love of God. Yeah, exactly. A worship of God. Okay, Rebellion. You know, a child's rebelling. They're just doing everything opposite, and that's what's in their heart, versus submission. Yeah. Or fear. You know, that's just uh, kids that are just afraid of everything. Uh, You know, you get a a 14, 15-year-old girl, and she's afraid of this, she's afraid of that, and wearing the wrong clothes, and what people will think, versus contentment. You know, I have what God has given me. I'm going to be content. That's where we're working. So if you look within this box, and and if you just have a a fear in here, and you're trying to change it to a contentment, how do you do that without dealing with what's in the heart? You have to. Or anxiety. You know, they're just anxious about stuff versus a peace. Those are some of the areas that we're, we're after here. So as you understand that behavior follows what's going in the heart, You're going to be able to help your child work through their own heart issues. And that's kind of the goal. You know, you start out with this one- or two-year-old and say, how are we going to get to that finishing line where they're 18, 19, 20 years old? Uh, Whatever age, they're going to no longer be accountable to me. They're going to be accountable to God. Um, These are things that we have to work on to get them to understand their own heart. We want them to see and interpret their own heart. We've got to do it for them initially. We've got to teach them and pattern them to do this ahead of time. Something that you're going to need to take time to work through. So focusing on behavior down here, it, it will not and it cannot lead you to the cross. We know that. Lasting changes aren't going to take place by just manipulating behavior. I mean, you can't make just change behavior. They're still going to have a heart that's just going to change their behavior to get away from whatever it was that was hurting them or not giving them pleasure. Lasting behavior only takes place when, they rec- when we work on the heart. But here's the big thing is the heart, man can't fix his heart, Right? We can't fix our heart. And I think that's the perfect place where this puts us. Lasting behavior only takes place as the child understands their need for God's grace. Their need to understand who God is and His, op- his chance of changing them. Redemption, repentance, love of Christ, faith in Christ. So if, as they deal with these issues, what we want to do is take them up and to show them what's in their heart. And then, well, we want to get over to godly behavior, but there's only one way to do that and that's right here as Christ stands as the cross. So just draw yourself a little cross in between there. The cross is the only way that we can change that behavior. It's through that repentance and faith. We'll put those words down here. Sorry my charts repent and faith. I need better colors in here. That's the method after seeing what the issues are in the behavior seeing what's in the heart, recognizing that we can't change that ourselves. Only God can do it. We repent of it. We have faith that God can do it. That is where we have the opportunity to change into godly behavior. Lasting change is getting the child to see the abundance of their heart. Think of the Pharisees, where they would clean the outside of the cup and not the inside. Matthew 23, verse 25 says, "'Woe to you, teachers!' of the law. And Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside are full of greed and self-indulgence. So what did he say? He says, hey, I'm looking at your heart and I see what's inside here. You got greed and self-indulgence. They needed him to be able to change to get rid of that. And they didn't want to change. That was the whole issue. Lasting change allows you to explore and understand what the abundance of the heart issues are. So you can encourage your child because it's through the grace and mercy of Christ that we have a chance to change it. Someone, we can be turned into somebody who truly loves from our heart. If I'm dealing with this lower box down here, I can't get to the cross. The, the cross doesn't fit well in here. You know, we're, oh, we're going to take you to Jesus because you get a dollar in the, in the jar, or you get $10 out because you, you complained. The cross and redemption and God doesn't fit into those models what it does is it says I can do it on my own, doesn't it? So if a child I can change my behavior because I got this little carrot in front of me, whatever it might be or you shamed me into it it says I can change this. But we know we can't change it. We can't change our own hearts. It takes God to do that. How do you get from drawing your name out of a cookie jar to by the way Jesus loves you and has died for you and wants to save you? That doesn't doesn't fit together. It's uh, as I said uh, I think as, as um Ted says it's like trying to play a cassette tape in an iPod. You know, It doesn't fit in. It doesn't work. Yeah, it has some media on it that will help, but it doesn't work. The two don't match. There's no USB port on the side of your cassette player. Also, if I operate down here, I'm looking at our kids, and I'm saying, I can't believe your behavior. We're looking down on them. Your behavior, you guys, look how terrible you are. You, you're fighting. You don't want to do that. God doesn't want to. Look at you. As if we're better than them you know we do that we want to say oh, i've got it all together you kids don't look at you you're you're doing this fighting and stuff because your hearts are evil you naughty terrible kids how could you have been so mean as if we don't participate in selfishness i saw this morning when you guys came in a couple of guys took these real comfy chairs why i got the comfy chairs you're allowed to because you're early <laughs> but but what is it in our heart this is, i want to do, I, I was driving to church this morning and uh, behind a car and he's going kind of slow so I went around and passed him and came up to light and it's almost like I kind of cut him off didn't really cut him off but why did I do that? Because I want to be first in line because I'd be three seconds ahead of him. That doesn't make sense but that's my heart. You're in the grocery store you're, you're driving in and there's a parking space there's another car coming down the aisle and you quick turn to get into that one parking space all because ah now that person has to park 50 feet further than I do I got the better space. That's where our hearts naturally we're the same way we do this or you go downstairs to have snack time and you're in line there you're like second or third one in line and there's this plate of giant cookies with one with all the chocolate chips and the macadamia nuts it's the perfect cookie sitting right on top and the person right in front of you takes it you say that's my cookie why'd you take my co-? it's not your cookie yeah you might have wanted that one but but you have no claim to that as if you should have had that somebody else shouldn't have our hearts are that way we want to have what we want which makes us better Ted uses the example of going down to uh, get some ice cream. Goes downstairs into the refrigerator, gets some ice cream for him and his wife. Oh, he's such a great husband. You know, getting his wife some ice cream. But he's walking up the stairs kind of weighing which one is heavier. (laughs) Which one has more ice cream? I think this one does. Here, honey, you can have the one with less. Why? We do these things because our heart is selfish. Our heart says, I want what's best for me, and I'm willing to not sacrifice for others. It's all love of self. That's what that is. That's what we're doing. And so we can't look at our kids saying, you terrible, rotten kids, what you're doing, and you love yourself, and you terrible sinners, as if we don't participate from it. We, we distance ourselves from the sins of our children as if they had a problem which we can't relate to. We can't do that because we deal with the same things. Addressing the issues of the heart gives you a wonderful opportunity to show your children that you, too, deal with these things. You have the same struggles that they have. You come alongside of them. You put your arm around it and say, you know what, son? I struggle with love of self, too. I, I see that you weren't sharing with your sister, but you know what? I have the same problem. I've got a heart that's evil, and, and I had to deal with it, too. And what do you do? You then walk them through the cross. You keep bringing the cross into it. The only way that I wasn't so selfish and I still struggle with it is because of what Christ did for me. I have a heart issue here, and you sit down with them, and you tell them about God's grace, about the power of the gospel. Now you've got the great opportunity to naturally put that in there. It's not, here's a, jar, here's a cookie jar with $5 in it, and it just costs you a little bit, and Jesus loves you. You can't fit the two together. We want to show them that there is hope for us. The hope is through Christ to change our behavior into godly behavior. You can take your child... To Christ in the cross. We don't have any other place to go. We can't do it. And that I think I was sharing with the gospel with a guy yesterday in uh, in Home Depot and I was telling him, you know, this guy was just cussing up one side down the other in the aisle next to me on the phone to somebody. I like, okay, dude, whatever. And then he just starts chatting with me and struck up a conversation. We were there for about a half hour and I was trying to share with him that, that he's a sinner. I says, you know what, I'm a sinner too. You look at me, I look like a normal guy. I'm a sinner. I think terrible thoughts. I do terrible things. I'm selfish. I oh, no, not you. I said, yeah, I am. He had a hard time seeing that he was evil. I said, well, I just and walked through it. Have you, ever, have you ever lied to somebody? Yeah, I did, but it was for a good reason. Have you ever? Well, I've heard you cuss. I know that. You just told me you've been drinking a lot too much. And one thing after another, says, so you're telling me that you're good enough. Yeah, God will just weigh it. What did it do? It gave me a gospel conversation to say, you know, I'm in the same boat as you, guy. I, I can't do it. It's the same thing with our kids. If we look at the heart issues, Christ will always then be able to be a part of the correction, a part of the discipline. By doing this, you can also then teach your child what's going on inside, and ultimately that's what we want to do is teach our kids to do self-examination. So by the time they're 12, 13 years old, somewhere in there, they're able to think about, oh, what I've done hurt God. And they have to think these thoughts in their own mind instead of, I'm getting pleasure out of whatever I want, whatever way I want to do it. This teaching on a regular basis will let them see that It will drive them to do that. They're going to need this to grow spiritually, this discipline, a, a self-introspection. We're having communion this morning. And, and what do we do during communion? We look into our own lives and we see what sin is there. Say, God, I, I've sinned again. I, I need to ask forgiveness. So hope is found in Christ's grace, the gospel, the gospel and his power. That's what we're after, is doing that. The gospel's not a message about doing new things. It's a message about being a new creature. I love the, the thought, it's, it's not a heart, it's not a, uh, it's, it's a change from the inside out. It's a heart surgery, not a facelift. You think about it, you know, you can make yourself look real pretty by doing a facelift, but a heart surgery just changes intrinsically whether you're going to die or not often. And that's, that's what we're after here. Let me give you one of uh, Ted's illustrations here. Um, he was a school administrator for a number of years. And as administrator, one time, he, uh, he was sent two kids that had been uh, fighting in the play yard. And uh, so he has the first one come in and, and say, hey, what's going on here? What, you guys were fighting. What's going on? And, and the kids started uh, telling him about this and, and what, what went on. And, and uh, Ted said, well, let me understand what's going on. And he started asking him questions about what was in his heart? What's the abundance of your heart? What were you thinking here? And so he drew... This diagram right here, for, from for him, and he explain. Hey, it's it's your, it's something in your overflow of your heart that caused you to fight here with your other classmate here. Tell me what's what's going on in your heart. What what is this issue? In uh, after a few minutes, it, it kind of the picture emerged. And what he had in this case was a uh, a group of boys that are here, and this is the group of in boys. And there's you know a couple of them here, and this boy was outside that circle. He was not you know, the, the hippest, coolest guy. and He wasn't there. He didn't have it all together, so he wasn't part of that group. And uh, this other th- the second boy he was fighting with was not one of these guys, but he was a kid that was out here. This is how far away he was. He was on another planet. This kid had nothing to do with this group. He just was a, just a totally different kid. But the kid way over there made a move at trying to be in this inner circle with these guys and he's this close. He's been working on this, and these are his, you know, he's trying to get in with them. So he wasn't going to stand for that, and that's what started the fight. So he saw what was going on, and, and that's what started this tangle, because, hey, this is what is. So he asked him, you know, what is it that is in your heart that would cause that? And he walked through the scenario with him to find out what, what this was about. And uh, it wasn't, no, here, I'm going to tell you what's wrong with you, and, and I see this, and I see this. He's asked him to tell him the abundance of his heart, and and so the kid did. He, he said, you know, I, I've got some issues here with, uh, uh, with my heart. Uh, I'm, I'm prideful and I'm selfish. And So he started to see what it was in his heart that was causing him to do this. He, he figured that out. He let him explore it in his own mind, a uh, love of self, and, and Ted agreed with him. He says, you know, there's, there's hope for kids like you, for me. I have the same thing. My heart does the same thing. And would you like me to pray? Let's, let's pray about this, that you would have a heart that would love others. So he challenged him on that and uh, shared with him, and the kid got it. And, you know, he, he understood. Left the room. He brought the other kid in and uh, so yeah, after they prayed and all. And the other guy, he, he kind of had a read on the situation. He knew what was going on, so he, he talked to this kid and, and asked him what's going on in his life and, and uh, just share what's in your heart. And so he just broke down in tears how he just felt unaccepted in the class and that nobody cared about him and uh, really shared his heart. And what did Ted do? He shared with him Isaiah 53, how God is one that knows what's going on, and he suffered, and he took on pain that nobody else took on. And he shared when He was despised and rejected by men. So he used that as a teaching tool. So, yeah, even though you're rejected, that's the way Christ was, but he was rejected even far greater than this, to the point of being death. So sent the kids back to their room. Later on that evening, the teacher called him up and says, Hey, Ted, what did you tell those kids? Well, what do you mean? He says, "Well, the one kid, this one here, he came <coughs> back, and the whole rest of the day he was doing everything he could to include that kid and to do stuff with him." He Says they were just fighting. What in the world did you tell him? Well, he told him what his heart was. He revealed his heart, and that's what he wanted to work on. That's that's the way that we want to deal with our kids, instead of a coming in and pounding him. And Ted said in on the uh, in the book, I think you'll read this. It's, he says, uh, "You know." Uh, I could have gone as I normally would. This is a Christian school, and we're Christians here, and your parents are paying good money to send you to a Christian school, so you've got to act like Christians. And you two kids are fighting, and what is this? Christians don't fight. Go home. I want you guys to go home, and I want you to write Romans 12, 17 to 19, 100 times. Take this scripture, and I want to see this written out. So they go, Romans 12, 17 to 19. Well, do not become with, overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. And so that's the whole verse section in there. And you could see the kids. I mean, they would go home, and they would contemplate every single time they write that, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Every single time they write a hundredth time, say, oh, I must change my heart. No, they're not going to do that, are they? Those kids are going to take a piece of paper, do, 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 do a hundred times. Not, 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 (laughs) not. B be, 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 be. Overcome, overcome. They're just going to write the thing out to get the project done. Did it affect their heart at all? No. I just want to get through this thing because I got in trouble. That's the way that they're gonna live in that. So what did he do? Ted went to the scriptures, and that's what we're saying here is go to the scriptures now once you reveal the issue in the heart and we're gonna walk through this, how you identify those for different age brackets and how you bring that back into here's what scripture says, and this is how we, we can work Christ can work in us to do this. We first need to go to scriptures with our kids and recognize what some of the abundance of the heart issues are, then we can work on them. Revenge. He hit me first. Well, what does the Bible say against that? The godly counterpart is entrust oneself to God. Romans 12, God will revenge. And look at the Psalms and the Precatory Psalms. God will take care of it. He'll get those things. Help them understand the fear of man versus the fear of God. a desire of man versus the approval of man. Uh, look at verses on covetousness, you know, if they're fighting over something versus a genuine concern for others. Two kids fighting, and they're six, seven, eight years old. Talk about what covetousness is, and you want things that other people have and how you're going to have a concern for others. Uh, look at passages of idols of the heart. We're going to get into some of these. We're going to give you, you know, verses on, on each one here on how to, how to identify some of these. The gospel, the cross, grace, hope, that's when they can be present Is if we do it this way. Now it makes sense here. It isn't, I've had it with you, I've had enough, I'm finally going to deal with it, go to your room, you're stuck there for three months, uh, grounded because of whatever. You know, you, you don't have to do that. It's about a God who's full of grace and mercy and able to change your hearts in here, change them from the inside out to enable people. God is the one who will allow us to have a love for others. We just naturally don't do this. And you have this conversation with your kids. That's where it's at. But, as I say every single week, if we're going to do this, Deuteronomy 6, where does it start? Yes, it says, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. Then teach it diligently to your kids. So we have to demonstrate this first. And that gets back to exactly, Jennifer, I think what you said a couple weeks ago. Ah, this is about me. and chain was that? Jessica. Jessica, sorry, Jessica. <laughs> Jessica said, it's about us. And changing our hearts. So the whole idea here is let's look at our own sins and let's see what it is in our heart that's driving those things. And that will allow us to take those things. God, I'm sorry for this. Yeah, I repent. It helps us to change those attitudes. And it could be, you know, just dealing with something which is just a bizarre, tough situation, a relative who's done something absolutely crazy and stupid, and we still have the wrong attitude. This will help to change our attitudes here. There is hope for people like you and me, and that's the great part about this This is about your view of the Christian life is really what it is, about a hope of God, a a God of hope, mercy, and love that can enable us to love others. And uh, you guys have teenagers, those who do, I mean a couple of you do, I mean you think, oh man, this kid, I I got too much to start with here. This is a lot of work to take a teenager, and how are you going to shift their hearts after all this time? No, God can do it, especially if we stop and we say, you know what, kids, time out. I've done something wrong here. I have not been raising you. I've been, and you we're going to go through this, give you a little more weeks to understand how we do this, but we're going to take it and make it so you can take this box and show them this and say, look, this is where I've been dealing. I've been dealing with your, your sin issues. I've been dealing with your fighting and stuff this way with just behavior, and I, I, I'm noticing I, own, I have a heart problem. I need to work from my heart, and I want to help you work on your heart. Any questions? Sure. Which one is fourteen? I don't. Have. Sure. Let me just see. You know what? I got the notes here. Yeah, it's, I kind of flipped through those notes there both times. Um, okay. There's page 14, first one. As you understand behavior, that that reveals the heart. Behavior reveals the heart. Focusing on behavior cannot will not lead you to the cross. Lasting behavior, lasting change will only take place as a child understands redemption. Examples of the Pharisee. This moves you away from hypocrisy. And hope is found in Christ's grace, the cross, and His power. That help you? Thank you for asking that question. I often will not take the time to make sure I clarify each one of those. Any other questions? Yeah, the front doesn't say that because we missed some homework that I didn't give. So 2, 3, and 17, if you could. Yeah. yeah. the book of Mark? No, this is in the book uh, Shepherding a Child's Heart. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you can read book of Mark, too, chapters 2, <laughs> 3, and 17. Those are good, good ones to read. Won't take you long. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, Mark 17. Do you want to pray for us, Steve? Sure. Great.